This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R. We work out our bodies. Let's work out our minds. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Get that 10% off your first month. You're like, what is BetterHelp? Why would I go there? Because it's it's online therapy, baby. That's right. You don't have to sit in traffic. Uh, It's cheaper. It's international. So wherever you are in the world, your therapist can go with you. And you don't even have to sit in an office. The best thing is you can do this from your phone. Uh, You can text. You can call. Within 48 hours, they're going to match you up with your own therapist. Some people have their own chef, their own personal trainer. You get your own therapist. How cool is that? And here's the best part. If you don't like the therapist, you can just find yourself another one. You know, They will match you up with another therapist. Because I have friends who are looking for therapist right now and they're saying how hard it is to find one everybody everybody got a therapist now it seems like nowadays so get one and and if you're one of those people who are like well my life is good everything's good i don't need a therapist that's why now is the time to get one because when life hits the fan and and inevitably it does right uh that's not the time to look for a therapist because it takes time to build rapport to connect for them to know your backstory, for you to feel comfortable. So get a therapist now, somebody that you can talk to, build a relationship with, and then you can take a break. But then you have, you know, you got that therapist in your pocket when things do hit the fan, when life does punch you in the face. And then you got that, now it's not even a therapist you're calling, it's a friend, but it's a friend who's gonna, who's gonna like make you feel safe and secure and hold all your secrets and, and show you how to grow and get unstuck. It's, it's the best friend in the world, right there in your pocket, on your cell phone. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. Get that 10% off your first month now. Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Trenton Davis, comedian extraordinaire, global uh, father, uh, former uh, was a husband, got a divorce. Um, this is, I'm excited to have you on Trenton because you're one of those guys who, you know, you come suited and booted every time you step on stage. Uh, you have a great energy about you. Your comedy is phenomenal. And you're one of those people that other people look at and go, that guy has it all together. But, you know, <laughs> as you and I were talking, you know, you've experienced a uh, divorce, uh, problems with money, um, you know, uh, you know, trouble in school, uh, yeah. uh, end of relationships, uh, childhood traumatic events. Um, yeah. And so we're going to get into all that. And I'm excited. Yeah. So uh, where are you right? What? Let me ask you this. What yeah. got you out of bed this morning, Trenton Davis? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, that's a great question. Um, aside from, let's say, God specifically is being driven i'm gonna can i answer even a little further oh please go deep go deep since december i read a book called the 5 a.m club since december i've been waking up about 4 40 a.m this morning i woke up at four i was up at three and i was like i ain't gonna get up yet and i woke up at four and um man i talk a lot and i apologize so just cut me off but i feel like waking up at 5 a.m can has the potential to positively change your life and, and it doesn't have to be 5 a.m it could be 4 30 i have I, I my my the point is if you can wake up two hours before your first engagement to just focus on you 
to just focus, no work, no email, no social media, just focus on Leo or just focus on Trenton, I feel like it'll change your life positively. It, it, was that was that what they mentioned in the 5 a.m. club about waking yeah. up? Now, what 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 about if you go to bed at midnight? You know, as a comedian, sometimes we go to bed at midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are you, you're talking about, so it's not so much about waking up at 5 a.m. It's about saying if you have an appointment at 10 a.m., you wake up at 8 a.m. so that you can kind of warm yourself up and get your mind and body right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It, you're right. It, um, for comedians or entertainers, it's, it's a little bit tougher. I think if you take anything away from, from the book, it would be spend quality time with yourself. But this is the key on the front end of your day, not on the back end. Do it when, because our bodies are just like uh, and our brains are just like anything else. After all day, we've been, you know, we've depleted that battery. Right. And so we need to recharge. So that same time, you know, this, Leo, you're a fantastic writer. The same Leo who's a writer at 7 p.m. at night is very different than the Leo who's a writer at 7 a.m. That's a very different writer, you know. And so um, not to say that that either is bad. I'm not suggesting that. But one is more prolific than the other. You're right. There's something about getting up, putting pen to pad early in the morning. I feel sharper, clearer. I haven't eaten anything. So the blood is circulating. There's no inflammation. I'm not angry yet. <laughs> like, like, like the dressers. <laughs> haven't caught up to me. Um, and I, I, there's more uh, mind-body connection, right? Because yes. as the yes. day goes on, you start accumulating the, the stressors and you start thinking about the next steps where it's quiet. It's quiet. At yeah. You. Oh, man. Yeah. You feel like you got to jump on an enemy. And the enemy <laughs> being your internal demons, right? Yeah. So, what, so what is your, when you wake up at that hour, what are you doing for those two hours? What does that look like? Take us through the steps. Yeah, I, I will. I will take. I promise you, I'll take you through the step. I just want to say one thing based on what you just said, and I think it's super fun and super important. If you think about all of the bad choices that you've made in life, just put them together, catalog them. Most of them came late at night, and that comes from you, again, you've been up all day, and so you're making different choices than you will at first thing in the morning. And and I and I, I I'll use this for women and say. How many men have you slept with at two in the morning that you know you would never do that at two in the afternoon? You would never do it, but two in the morning, we had a drink. Those choices, it's easier to make bad choices after you've been up eight hours, 12 hours, 14 hours. So we can, we can talk for an hour on that, and I'm going I'm to move past that, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, you asked me my process, and so I, you, this came from another book called, um, called Miracle Morning, and it's the acronym SAVERS. And actually, you and I talked about it at the Green Room in Laugh Factory. And so SAVERS, for anybody that doesn't know, is silent. S is silent time or meditation. A is affirmation. V is visualization. E is exercise. R is read. And the second S is scribe or write. And so I knock out all those. Um, now, he said do five minutes apiece because they want to do an hour. And I get it. In this day's society, everybody wants to do quick. I give myself three hours because I spend an hour at the gym and then I do 20, 20, 20 uh, meditation, journaling, and then, and then uh, uh, what's the meditation, journaling, and then reading, right? And so, and the reading could be anything. Sometimes I'll read self-help. Sometimes I'll read, like this morning, I was reading books for work. But as long as you're doing that, those, that core, you, it's going to always grow. And this is the cool thing about the universe or God or whatever people subscribe to. As you continue to do that work, 
you never run out of work because somebody will offer you another book. Me and you'll be talking and you'll say, Trent, you really gotta get this book. And then you'll finish that book. So you gotta get this book. You, and, and so you, you're always growing and, and the universe wants us to grow, wants us to be our best self. We just have to put that foot forward, right? And so that's, that's my process. How do you uh, not get overwhelmed? Because like you said, you're reading one book to the next and they all have a different process. So, you know, one book is talking about you savers, right? Silence, exercise, visualize. Uh, um, uh, affirmations, reading, and uh, I forget what the S is at the end. The S is scribe. Scribe, scribe. So writing, right? And then you read another book and then they have a different morning routine. Uh, Do you you switch based on the book that you're reading? That's a great question. That's a fantastic question. And I, I say this to everybody. Everybody, every single human on this earth is different. And so take what works for you and what doesn't, let it go. It's okay. Everything doesn't have to work, right? And so for whatever reason, savers stood out for me. It may be something different for somebody else. Somebody may not like the affirmation or meditation. Like you said at the very front end, you may say, Trenton, because of my schedule, I'm waking up at 10 and doing mine between 10 and 1. I think the problem specifically with religion is we say my way is the right way and it's the only way. And that's not the case here. Whatever works, right? And so that one has stuck for me. But if, if as long as somebody's doing your work, as long as you're doing your personal work, however you do it, do it, is my comment. Talk to me about the visualization, because uh, you yeah. know, if, if most people, if most of my listeners are like me, like I'm catastrophizing the future, I'm predicting the very worst outcomes. What, what, <laughs> what do you mean by visualization? What does that look like? Yes, I'm trying to, while I'm talking to you, okay, oh, I found it. And I know it won't, it'll be hard to see. This is my... It's hard to see. That's my vision board. And it doesn't matter what it is. That's my vision board. But that I have it. I went ahead and had it printed out. It's a big thing. And it's on, it's in my, on my wall. The minute I wake up, it's the first thing I see. And so for me, visualization is a vision board. But it's not just me sitting there looking at it like, um, I actually combine my visualization with my affirmation. So I could go through each square. I'm not going to. But I say, oh, I will have four Ferraris. I like Ferraris. I will have four Ferraris. Another one is, I will impact a hundred million. I will positively impact a hundred million people, right? That's me in front of a big crowd. And one picture of me is I fully love, honor, and accept myself and forgive myself. So I go through each single square for my vision board. I say to everybody, have a vision board. Under, but before you do that, you must ask yourself this question: What form of service do I want to offer the world? That is your true north. If you don't remember anything from this entire podcast, please remember this. What form of service do you want to offer the world? Once you answer that, it answers every other question in your life. Where do I want to live? You know, who do I want to, should I take this job or not? Should I be with this woman or not? Should I be with this man? All that is your true north is what is your service to offer the world. Once you get clear on that, the universe will bring it all to come to pass. Man, that is beautiful, Trenton. Uh, so talk to me about your childhood, because, uh, yeah. you know, as we were talking, you said that there was some bullying or discrimination or abuse that took place in your childhood. Tell me more about that. Yeah. yeah. So this we can get deep here. I, I, I want to do a couple things. One, my, my girlfriend is a certified parent coach. She doesn't work with kids. She works with parents to be their best self. The way she does that is to work with parents to uncover their limiting beliefs, their childhood trauma, so they can become better parents. What she has talked about, and I agree with 100%, is none of us get out unscathed. 
No, I don't care if your parents were, were Cliff and Claire Huxtable. None of us get out unscathed. And so that's A, we have to understand that. Um, I feel like, I'm not joking. I feel like I have the best parents in the world. And when I tell you this story that I'm getting ready to tell you, it, it sometimes having great parents, I'm not saying it's worse. I don't want to suggest that. But having great parents creates a, can I curse on the podcast? Let's keep it clean so we can reach okay. more people. So we can reach that 100 million people. There we go. It creates a mind. Um, it creates a mind. A mind mesh. It, it, it is. It is hard to. Um, it's paradox. It's hard to uh, to say both are true when you have a great parents because even great parents. This is a funny thing. If if you're a parent, uh, if anybody's a parent, they will know that at least once you snap. And it doesn't make you a bad parent. It makes you human. You had a long day. This kid, at least once you snap. But the truth is, if you're a parent and you're fully involved, you may snap once a year, just once a year. Well, still, that's 18 snaps, right? That's still 18. And the funny thing is, not funny, this is the sad thing, is, is, is Leo, we won't remember those snaps. You won't remember when you snapped on your daughter. I won't remember when I snapped on my daughter. But because they have what we call an underdeveloped brain, the brain's not fully developed till 25, 26 years old, because they have an underdeveloped brain and, and they're also creating, uh, uh, um, building that subconscious, it sticks with them, right? And so what we think is a throwaway comment sticks with them. I'll give you an example of a throwaway comment my dad used to say all the time is, the older you get, the stupider you get. The older you get, and he would say to me, my brother and sister, well, to a 25-year-old and up, it maybe doesn't bother anybody. To a seven-year-old, to an eight-year-old that's building your subconscious, you really believe you're stupid. You really believe I'm not great. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. And so I'm working on sharing, sharing this on stage. I haven't got into it yet. Leo, you and I can talk offline and you can help me out. Um, but I, again, I have to preface this with I feel like I have the best parents in the world. Well, I wasn't great at potty training, and I would, long story short, is I would poop on myself at an older age, like five or six years old, which is older than the normal person does it, and whatever normal means. And anyway, um, and so I, I don't remember the whole thing because I was young and my subconscious has blocked some of it out, but I do remember waking up in the middle of the night, two in the morning, and I sit on myself, I'm in the bathroom, and my, I know this has happened before. My dad comes in, he's frustrated. He has a two in the morning, got to clean up shit response and snaps and, uh, and, and takes my pile of poop that's in my underwear and smears it in my face, right? And anybody that's hearing this, if you just heard that, you would say, oh, this is child abuse. He needs to go to prison for 50 years. And I would say, go to hell because I forget my language. Because it's the same man that was coach of every basketball team, coach of every soccer team, of every baseball team. Only black guy, only black man that was at every PTA meeting, knew all of my teachers. And he just had one moment. That's the truth. I mean, he just had one moment of that depth. Now, he had some moments, but of that far, he just had one moment. But remember what I said earlier, the, the child brain can't can't make the two meet, can't, because you, we look at parents, these are somebody we can trust. And so when this happens, this breaches your trust. And it has impacted me, I'm 45 years old now, it impacts me all the way to 45. Um, but just kind of discuss how great my father is. And, and that's what makes it tough is he's great and he did this. It would be like Martin Luther King doing this to you, right? In, in my eyes, Superman doing it to you. Um, 
I, I went to counseling and I was dealing with this. And my counselor said, well, let's have a session with your mom and dad. And that scared me, the idea of having a session with mom and dad. And I go in, I have the session. And A, my dad ag agrees that it happened because I couldn't remember for sure that it happened. He agrees that it happened. He said, I think about it almost every day. I didn't know if you remembered it. And I, I asked for your forgiveness. So there was no, that didn't happen. There was no, I, you know, it's your fault. It was, it was, my counselor said, I've never seen a family session like that. Um, but in this day and age, we just canceled the people for anything bad 30 years ago, forgetting about the growth, right? If you have to be perfect 30 years ago, what you're telling me is I don't have room to grow and that's not fair. Um, that being said, those type things impact you. And I think that led to a lot of my drinking. I think that led to a lot of my relationship challenges and, and, and as well as my limiting beliefs that still uh, impact me today. But the flip side is, I also think it created a pretty good comedian. <laughs> You know, I, I think it made me a fantastic comedian. It made me not afraid to go on stage and look, eat shit, uh, for lack of a better term. I'm sorry for the curse word. But um, but yeah, so that's that's where I am, man. When you when you say problem drinking, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that story and thank you for that vulnerability. I know that yeah. that's not an easy thing to to discuss. Um, and when you say drinking to the point of a DUI, like what was yeah. what was the point where you're like, oh, my drinking is a problem? What what did that look like for you? Yeah, man. So I I, I was a really good. I could cover it up, uh, and so I got a couple DUIs. But the difference was they was ten years apart. So I ain't got no problem, man. One DUI was 2000, the next one was 2010. I'm like, man, I'm good. I can get one of these every ten years. Um, um, but, but the truth is I, especially with comedy and then also with my day job, I did sales. And so I probably had, if not 15 years, at least 10 of drinking every night. That's a, and then I would drink to numb out. And I wouldn't, that's the other thing I would tell myself. I wouldn't drink uh whiskey or hard liquor. I'm like, Oh, just give me a six pack of Corona's. Let me sit out on whatever balcony I live on. And that's how I ended my night. But multiply that now times 15 years or 12 years. I was numbing out. I was numbing off. When I was in my relationships, I, I would not deal with stuff and, and just go and drink. And so um, drinking was something that I, that challenged me. Of, I, I, you know, thank goodness. Again, same time I was doing my 5 a.m., I just decided cold turkey, like no more alcohol. And so I hadn't had a drink since uh, G uh, December of last year and hadn't been hard for whatever reason. But I think I'm not going to make this a whole AA thing. I think as long as you do the work, if you just start to stop drinking and don't do anything else, it'll be really hard. If you stop drinking and you're also journaling, reading, writing, affirmations, you're doing all that exercise, you're doing all that, I think it makes life much easier. And, and you don't have to be perfect, but it makes life much easier. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Doing that work, taking care of yourself, channeling is about channeling that energy into yeah. something else. So with the drinking was there, now that you're not drinking, was there a, a, a realization of what it is you really were seeking or that, yeah. or what you really needed? Does yeah, that question make deep, sense? That, yeah, that's deep, Leo. Yeah, it does. I think a couple things. Um, so I told you the story about my dad. Well, keep in mind that happened at two in the morning. And so I, I also, the funny thing is I would, I would almost never drink during the day. Almost never. I mean, of course, in college, maybe you have day drinking. But for me, drinking was the end of the night. And I realized later and through counseling, I was drinking at the end of the night because I didn't want to wake up in the middle of the night because there was still the fear of waking up in the middle of the night and the same thing happening again, right? Even though I'm now 25, 
35, 40. I've then learned how to manage my bowels. But subconsciously, what people need to always understand is subconsciously, we don't age. Subconsciously, you are still five years old or six years old. Whatever the age is of the trauma, that's where the subconscious caps out at growth unless you actively do work. <clears throat> so if your trauma, you're seven years old, that's where you stay at seven years old. And so that's one answer to that is, is that's what I was, I was numbing out to, in hopes of not waking up, drinking enough so I would not wake up until first thing in the morning. Uh, and then the other thing from there is it, when you have poop on your face, um, you don't feel worthy. You, you feel guilt, you feel shame, and you don't feel worthy. And so as a result of that, then I would, I would compromise myself and be in relationships that I knew weren't healthy, but I was like, well, I can't get anybody better because I'm not worthy. I don't, I don't, I had guilt or shame. And so my, the, the person, it, the, the soul in me that knows I'm a great person was fighting that, that, that uh, subconscious that's saying you're not worthy, shame, shame, shame. And so the only way for the, the great part in me to, to live like that was you got to drink and numb out so you don't realize how you're really living. Right. And so hopefully that answered it. But yeah, that's what I think the drinking was doing on those two fronts. That's beautiful. And and so you talked about your miracle morning. What yeah. have you filled your evenings with then? Because yeah. if the evening was the drinking time. What, what was the replacement? Oh, God, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think also. So what you realize, uh, let's say three things and one of them is probably too much information. But what you realize is when you really get on this journey is there isn't a spiritual practice and a professional practice and a mental practice and, and a sexual practice. There is a holistic practice, right? And so the holistic is all of it combined. And so having that, having that, uh, that first thing in the morning, blah, 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 uh, process, A, leads me to going to bed probably around 9.30 or 10, rather than literally I was going to bed at 12.30 or 1 o'clock every day uh, from, from for the last 15 years. So that's A. B, having a healthy relationship. We could do a podcast all by itself just on a healthy relationship. It's so easy. Um, so I'm, I'm in a healthy relationship. And so she and I uh, connect and we get to bed earlier, but, but we zero TV and we just connect at nine o'clock and we're just, you know, connecting spiritually, but also sexually. And I'm going to say this, especially in the African-American community, we, we tend to look at sexuality from the church's perspective as bad, as shameful. And, and what a lot of my learning and growing has taught me is sexuality is a part of my spirituality and it's nothing to be shame about nothing. And matter of fact, if used correctly, it grows you as a human, because when are you ever more vulnerable than when you're naked, making love? And so if, if used correctly, it helps grow you. And, and, you know, we say, you know, your partner is your best mirror. Your partner shows you all that shadow work you need to do. That's exactly why the universe brought that person to you. And when he or she does something to piss you off, look closely because they're, they, they, if you're triggered, it's your shadow at work. If you're triggered, it's your ego at work. And being in a healthy relationship helps you process that um, healthy in a healthy way. And so that, and then I, I still do comedy, right? I'm still doing comedy, but if I'm not doing comedy, I'm in bed no later than 9, 30, 10 o'clock. If I am doing comedy, I just, honestly, I just have less sleep that day. That, that's beautiful. And then yeah. yeah, you talked about, you know, being in a healthy relationship now, and I know that you were uh, divorced. Can you yeah. talk to us about how did you 
uh, handle the divorce? Because that's such a huge, first of all, how long were you married? And then what do you think contributed to divorce? And then how did you move through those emotions of, of, of the divorce? Yeah. If I may, I, I'm going to shift that to from the divorce to the, the breakup with my daughter's mother. And the reason I'm saying that is that was more significant. Um, my, my divorce, honestly, I call it a legal breakup because me and my girlfriend from college married, got married very young, 24. In the South, you go to college, you get a job, you get married. Um, neither one of us were old enough to get married, but we, I mean, not old enough, we're, we're mature enough to get married, but we didn't have a house. We didn't have kids. We didn't have money. So we was like, all right, go out separate ways. It, it really wasn't traumatic, truthfully. Um, with break, this breakup with my daughter's mother was much more traumatic and I think offers more of a lesson. Um, first thing I want to say is that there's, if you don't view yourself as worthy, then you will compromise and you will compromise on, and, and I want to make sure I, I explain this to people who may be listening. There's what we call an internal compromise and an external. An internal compromise is when you're compromising your value, who you are. Leo wants to make sure he, he puts out the best product for the most people and having somebody on here that curses all day long, that compromises your value, what you bring to the earth. External compromise is not a big deal. That's your, your, you want Taco Bell, not Taco Bell. You want Mexican food, your girl wants whatever, Greek, uh, Mediterranean food, you say cool. External compromises are fine. The internal compromises are the ones you have to be concerned about. So I didn't have, I didn't have, I wasn't doing work 10 years ago. I wasn't doing work like this. And so I, I didn't, I, you know, anytime you, you, you want to know what's, a, what's an example of, you know, somebody's not doing a lot of internal work when they say, you made me feel this way. I, I can't make you feel no kind of way. You made me, and, and we say it to our spouses all the time. You make me feel. I, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And I was in that space. of I had gotten into a relationship, but I didn't know how to do work. And so again, relationship, they show you your shadow, show you your insecurities, show you all that stuff that comes up from childhood. And I don't feel like she nor myself knew how to manage that in a healthy way. Um, the compromise was, though, I knew I knew she wasn't necessarily the girl I wanted. I compromised who I am to be with her because I wanted sex. And then once she got pregnant, I, I was concerned about the view of other people internally. So I was like, well, I'll just we'll just get together. And if I think about it now, I probably would have said, even from the beginning, I would have said, let's just co-parent. Let's don't try to be in a relationship. Let's co-parent. Um, but whatever, everything happens for a reason. We were together for six and a half, seven years, uh, and it was tumultuous. It was not healthy. Um, if she ever sees this, she's not a bad person. She is a great mother. Um, I'm not a bad person, but we neither one of us knew how to how to deal with our shadows in a healthy way. Um, I'm I'm since then have been doing work really since about 2012. I've really 2012, 2013, really been in the work. And so I've been continuing to grow. And even that impacted the relationship because uh, she wasn't doing her share. It's not fair for me to say. Because I, I, I don't want to throw her in the bus and say it was her fault. I, that's not my goal at all. Um, we'll just say the work that we were doing for whatever reason wasn't bringing us together, right? So if she was doing work, if I was doing work, wasn't bringing us together. Um, and But you know, this morning, just this morning, I dropped my daughter off at school. My daughter's in fifth grade. And I, one of the things I was on my way home, I'm just grateful to the universe is, oh, now finally my ex and I have a good relationship. 
and we could take pictures together and it was it was beautiful and if i if the same comment five years ago man we hated each other we couldn't be in the same room and and so that's the growth that i appreciate so that's beautiful man and, and, and your daughter's in the fifth grade right now you said yes. yes sir 10 years old just dropped off today first day of school is there is there is there a book that you have had your daughter read or you wish you're you're, you're hoping that your daughter would read one day that you think yeah. will guide her in some uh, type of direction yeah yeah there's, there's a lot of books that i hope she reads um uh, the books that we did while she was younger were you know of course the ones that i love my hair that's a big one for african-american uh kids is i love my hair because especially being I'm, I'm in Temecula, right? And so it's, it's predominantly white. And so you have different hair and to be able to appreciate that and love that. And so that was one that we, and that was a whole series that I love my skin and I love who I am. That's what we did when she was younger. Um, also what I did, Leo, I think this is cool, man. And she, you know, kids love their own music and they got Doja Cat and all that is for every time we listen to a Doja Cat song, she doesn't know it, but I actively choose a song that lifts her up. So it works subconsciously. So I got a lot of NDI replaying. I got a, a lot of Jill Scott. She don't even know, what is this? This boy, I'm like, shut up, listen. And then <clears throat> books to read in the future, Greatest Miracle in the World is one of my favorites, A Return to Love, uh, the, you know, those kind of books that, that really help with uh, internal growth and spiritual growth. Uh, thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, we also talked about um, how you struggled with unemployment. What was yeah. what was that like for you? Because you, you seem like a guy. I mean, you, you like I said, you suited and booted now. And uh, yeah. what? Tell me about that period of your life of of managing through unemployment. Yeah, so I was working with a company. Uh, I won't I won't mention the name. I don't have to mention it. I was working with a company for about six years. Um, and ultimately, I'll say two things. Ultimately. They knew I were doing comedy, and and I think I think the comedy got to such a a public level that they were looking for a a reason to get rid of me. That's that's my truth. That's my belief. Um, the excuse they used, right? I'm an outside sales guy. The excuse they used was, well, we feel like you're using the card, the company card, on things that aren't company uh, charges. And you know, we had a conversation back and forth. That's something. If at best, that's something you have that conversation and maybe a person is put on uh, probation or maybe a person is, uh, is, is and we say, all right, we will take your card away. Like I've seen it done in the past. We'll take your card away and all your charges on your personal card and then you're reimbursed so that if something like that does happen, they just say no. Um, that, wasn't the, that, that was not the way they chose to take it. Um, and so I was let go in 2016. And, and, and so at that time, I said, you know what? I'm done with corporate America. I am going to um, I'm going to pursue this comedy full time, and so between 2016 and I'd say mid 2017, it was just comedy. Uh, and you know that's tough. That's a tough road. Um, you know, you take a hundred grand from anybody, unless you puffy, it's it's a tough road. And so uh, during that time period, but but also during that time period, I was I, I was in the work, man. I was in the work. Now I was still drinking. But I was in the work and I was becoming a better person. And so there's a part of me that feels like you had to go through that, that uh, I had to go through that downtime to really rise and, and, and be who I am today. And also, I'll do this one thing. My ex and I had not broke up yet. And nothing helps a woman walk away than a Negro being unemployed. <laughs> 
nothing. Look, she got, if you got money, she's like, let's work on it. Let's go to counseling. If you want to oh, you out. And so I really believe that helped. I, I think the universe knew the relationship needed to end. And the relationship was like, oh, I know how to end this. We're going to make him lose his job. You know, and, and so uh, it was all good. Have you have you ever at any point in your life felt like a burden to others? Ooh, 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 God, great question. Truth is, no, for a couple of reasons, man. My parents were great. I keep saying that. So I always felt loved and I didn't feel like a burden to them. But also my dad was like Troy Matson from Fences, right? That was him. And so, I, I, you know, my, by the way, my parents are still living. Leo, I'm not making this up. When they're in town, they still come to show. If I got three shows that week, they come to all three shows, right? That, that That's that type of parents they are and were, right? I, I do the Bahamas every year. They come to the Bahamas. Like, we go, we sitting in the front. They see, and the same material, they, you know, and so my point for saying it is I never felt like a burden, but also my dad taught me, quote unquote, be a man, be a man, right? And so I never, I've never even lived off a woman. I've never, not even in college was like a woman having to pay my bills or pay for my food. Now look, I'm not saying that I didn't ever, ever once have a woman take me out or something like that, but never on a long period of time where it felt like I was a burden. Yeah. So tell me about that, be a man. And the reason why I bring that yeah. question up is for some people, that type of uh, identity can feel burdensome because then it's like, you know, depending on what your idea of what being a man is, right? Where you yeah. look at like a Will Smith, uh, you know, felt like being a man meant protecting Jada. Yeah. And so there's that that dark side of it. When you yeah. say be a man, what what does that sound like for you? Yeah, I, I to be honest, I, and I talk to my girlfriend about it all the time. That is a trigger for me. That is a trigger uh, because nine times out of ten, when you hear it, it's a woman saying it to somebody. Is you you need to be a man, or you see some stupid meme. Real men only have one woman, and, and, and when I hear that all the time, I say, okay, well, Martin Luther King cheated on his wife. Well, he wasn't a real man. Like Martin Luther King, really? He wasn't a real man. You know, I I think to your point, people most of the time it's everybody else's idea of what a real man is i and and that bothers me and it's all like not always but a lot of times it's from a woman and so if you root deeply it's what she wants i want a man to be faithful to love me i want to be you know be able to be a corporate and also be a thug and be able to fight and be able to stop bullying you know it's all this stuff and it's like come it's none of it is realistic god i could talk about this for so much this is and i know i'm getting off topic but just go with me for two seconds I think there's a divide between what what women want and what is realistic. And I'll give you an example. Almost always when I talk to people about relationships and things like that, and I say, are you going to get married? Yeah, I want to get married. And I say, okay, so what's the one thing, what is the one thing that, that you'll do, I mean, that your spouse can do that'll make you divorce? And almost always, I don't, you know, he can do whatever he wants except he can't cheat on me. He can't go step out. And my comment is, whatever is your one thing that he he can't do, the way the universe works is that's what he's going to do. Almost always. Whatever is your one thing, we're going to push that button. And and so when I, I say to people, when they say, till death do us part, I say, you know, what did you, for better or for worse, what did you think worse meant? You, you must have thought worse meant, oh, he was just going to pee on the toilet seat. You know, what did you think worse meant? Wor worse meant that, right? And so 
um, when somebody is saying, this is what a man is, a real man is, oftentimes they're not looking in the mirror and saying, well, this is what a real woman is. That's, that's my comment. So it's a trigger for me, man. It's a trigger point. Those are wonderful points right there. And I appreciate you bringing all those up. What are you looking forward to right now, Trenton Davis? Yeah, thank you. Um, so from a comedy perspective, I'm feature comedian on the Soul Train Cruise. That's going out in February of next year. So I'm excited about that. I'm doing the Comedy Cellar in October, in Ve- Comedy Cellar in Vegas. Excited about that. And then, Leo, you and I talked about it, but I'm also transitioning into motivational speaking. I'm transitioning when I say I want to impact, positively impact over 100 million people. Part of that is through corporate and motivational speaking. And so I'm really excited about that part of my career uh, and about really putting some focus in on that. So I'm hoping I average about pre-COVID, pre-COVID, I was doing 200 shows a year. I'm hoping that next year I can do maybe 75 comedy shows a year and 50 speaking engagements. That would be a good year for me. I like that you're very specific, right? You got numbers, you've written it down. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's inspired me because I'm looking to move into that space also. Yeah. So I'm excited, man. I, I'm looking. I'm looking to co-headlining yeah. uh, a comedy show and then a motivational show. That that would be dope. hundred percent. hundred percent. Let's sell out Madison Square Garden. There, uh, there's a place for us to do this. I promise you. There's a place for us to do this. I love it. Uh, and then last question I ask this of all my guests because always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Mm. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Trenton Davis? Yeah, I, I would say what I said earlier, but I, I, you have to really and receive it. I'm getting closer to the, count, to the camera so you can receive it, is you are worthy. You are so much of all of our limiting beliefs revolve around not feeling like we're worthy of goodness. We're worthy of love. It makes us wallow in shame. And so I would say you are worthy. Um, things can and will turn around. But once you start believing you're worthy, changes everything in your life. And so um, that's the one thing, try to keep it simple, is you are worthy. You're worthy of a great life. Trent, we're definitely going to have you back on a year from now to talk about relationships. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the new 988 number. That's right, 988 Um, or any of the other international numbers that are listed in the show notes, whether you are in Budapest or the Ukraine or Alabama or Virginia, wherever you are in the world, uh, there are international numbers. I I know that Alabama and Virginia are not, (laughs) they're not international, but wherever you are, call those phone numbers. Uh, You can talk, you can chat, you can text. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks a lot, Trenton. All right. Thanks, Leo. Have a good night.